Karma Productions Worldwide, in association with NMD Plus Productions in London and the William Mills Agency, presents Bankadelic from Money 2020, a series of special podcast episodes that feature interviews with some of the people who are making the financial services world and fintech rock. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, and join us for the conversations that took place at one of the premier financial services conventions in all the world. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Pankadelic. And I feel like I've said thanks again about 15 times today, but that's how we roll at Money 2020. Lou Carlozo, your host, and I want to thank the people at Money 2020 for allowing us to do this broadcast live from the Money Pot stage. It's a fantastic privilege and even more of a privilege is to have Bobin Tarakia on the show. He appeared some time ago on a special episode of Bankadelic and it was great to have you on then. Really fantastic to have you on now and the track record you have is absolutely amazing for all of the different companies you founded. And we're gonna talk about Zeta today, right? You are a serial tech entrepreneur with an interest in collaboration and payments. And I'm reading off the bio to all of you in the audience as well, those of you listening at Money 2020. Bobin founded Reseller Club, Logic Boxes, and Big Rock in 1988 and exited them for $160 million in 2014. You founded Radix, and now with Zeta, you are doing some really, really exciting work in the credit card sphere. Maybe though, before we get into that, I should ask you, foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) Foreigner, I don't know how you wrangled this. You got foreigner to take the stage tonight. I will be there. I've got my VIP badge. Yes, I play guitar. No, no one wants to hear me do a guitar solo, but you can tell me about this concert and how you arranged this and, and what we can expect. Um, of course, yeah. I think actually last year we started the tradition. We we got the we got Journey um, in concert at Money Twenty Twenty last year. Um, wow! And, and was, I've uh, seen them live recently, and they were killer. They're amazing. I mean, you know, they have a new lead singer since when well, I shouldn't say new because I think it's been more than a decade now. Uh, he's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. he's uh, the energy level on the stage, and you know, he's jumping around everywhere. Like, it was amazing. It was it was just so phenomenal to watch that show um, yeah. watch, watch that show live and I had the privilege to uh, introduce them and bring them to everybody at Money 2020 I think we had a I think close to about three four thousand attendees uh, in the concert then and so this year we said we'll repeat it uh, it's been overwhelming um, as a response in fact um, we've got again um, probably upwards of four or five thousand people that have just that have RSVP'd the expected number showing up will probably be more than that this year there's 14,000 or I don't know, 10 oh. plus, 11 plus thousand registered attendees, I think, in the, on the show. So really excited to, um, to be able to, to bring the, um, the foreigner. Um, uh, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'd heard of, I, I'd obviously heard their music and their songs. I'd forgotten many of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, I, then, then when, when we selected the band through a uh, statistically significant survey, and you know, so, so it was a data-driven decision, by the way. I, was, <laughs> I had no, um, uh, m- most of my suggestions were vetoed. Uh, but when we selected them, I'm like, let me go check them out. And I'm suddenly like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I remember that song. I didn't know they were the, um, yeah. uh, <clears throat> the band behind them, but it's amazing to, it's amazing to have them here. 
Yeah, that is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know if they're going to need an extra roadie, but I'm here. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm fit to do, I believe. Now, moving along to some of the really incredible stuff that Zeta is doing, I think one of the most <clears throat> exciting things that has been the talk of Money 2020 is just this revolution in credit cards that you guys are on the forefront of. I want to have you explain, if you will, what that is exactly, what you're doing with credit cards that is new and exciting and why you really believe it's going to be a game changer. So that, Lou, that's, I think, I think it's like 10 questions in one question, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, I, I saw, you know, the first, the first ever credit card was launched in 1958 by Bank America card. It was a Bank America card Visa card. They actually, it was interesting as a marketing strategy, they, they just gave out 60,000 of them to, uh, folks in California, and essentially with a you know credit line that you could use at various stores there, and um, and that kind of started the credit card revolution. Today mm -hmm. there's you know 5,000 plus programs, um, 600 plus million cards issued across the country that are active in some form or the other. Um, so 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 it's been 64 years, give or take, since the first credit card was launched in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you take a look at that card, and I'll pop out a card, let's say from my wallet right now, uh, for the most part, it's been more than six decades, and nothing much has changed. The That's credit card that you have right, yeah. in your wallet today almost essentially serves the exact same function that the Bank America card card served close to, as I said, six and a half decades ago. And you know, fundamental reason for this is vast majority of the technology systems. Um, that are running credit cards uh, for largest financial institutions in the country, most of the software was written before I was born. Uh, since before the cloud existed, before smartphones existed. And so when we started Zeta in, in 2015, the golden objective of uh, rewriting pretty much the entire banking stack. So we today have a full-fledged issuer processing card processing platform that's used by dozens of issuers around the world, issue tens of millions of cards. When we started with that golden objective, our perspective was uh, well, you know, this is one of the few industries, perhaps the only industry where uh, the incumbents are still using legacy platforms and mainframes and COBOL and green screens and batch processing. These are words that, by the way, I, when I started programming in 89, none of this stuff existed. Like I was working on machines that are newer than some of the machines that these existing platforms run on. Yeah. And so our perspective was, you know, well, it's time for a change. <clears throat> yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And. I think about the green screens, right? There's actually one chain, and since I'm a musician, I see this all the time, Guitar Center. You go in and they type on these green screens and it's like, what? Somebody still uses those? Where are the floppy disks? I'll bet they use those too. But it really is incredible. There are a number of parts of financial services. Now, of course, on the one hand, we hear disruption, 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 technology, technology, technology. But you have really pinpointed both a pain point and an area that is right overdue for change. I would love to know what makes Zeta different in terms of this revolution. Sure. So, I mean, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, Zeta's goal and objective is to basically uh, enable banks to become digital first institutions and to really adopt modern technology to enable them to be faster, you know, more agile, more nimble, provide more unique digital experiences to their customers, uh, be fully self-service and self-reliant, uh, be able to, uh, you know, launch products in weeks as opposed to, you know, it takes um, uh, 
if you trusting the reports out there, it takes uh, on an average 22 months for a bank to launch a new product, which is insane. It is insane. Um, in this day and age. So the, so the goal with Zeta is to provide a platform that essentially brings banks into, in some sense, the uh, uh, digital century, if you will. And, you know, fundamentally, I think, if you think about differentiation, so um, um, I can talk about a few, there's, there's several. Um, you know, first off, we, we really focus on this whole notion of we've built what we call a hyper-personalization policy engine. And so, you know, think of you, you're a large, you know, banking institution, you've got a credit card product, you've enrolled 5 million customers in this product. Every single customer sees the exact same experience, right? Yes. Um, same APR, same interest, same rewards, um, same you know front end experience. This is not a digital first product because today, what do what do customers expect from a digital first product? I, I open my Netflix or my Instagram, and you, know, you open yours. We're going to see a completely different experience, a different feed, different information, different insights, different you know. Um, uh, basically, completely different recommendations, etc. You know, your Netflix app, your Instagram app, your every one of these applications is going to be customized and personalized to you. But personalization has been non-existent in financial services. It's like you know, you take a loan, I take a loan, it's the same. You take a credit card, I take a credit card, it's the same experience. And that's because the underlying technology uh, essentially enables you to configure policies only at a product level. Yes. Data Stack is the first stack where you can actually dynamically configure policies, not just at the level of a product but on a per customer basis, per account basis, per card basis, per transaction basis. Meaning you can actually configure policies that dynamically change based on the behavior of the user. So you could theoretically say, well, you know, my conventional credit card interest rate is 17.99%, but um, any customer that shops at, you know, Wayfair between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Wednesdays, gets a different interest rate for those transactions. So you can really literally customize, you can allow you know, customers to select merchants at which they'll get accelerated rewards. You can truly personalize that product uh, for each customer, so each customer sees sort of a different experience. So that's yeah. kind of hyper-personalization is one, uh, one area. Um, we have more than 15 different unique digital experiences that we, built, that we built ground up that are natively embedded into the platform that you can directly provide to your customers, including things like dynamic CVV, dynamic PIN that substantially improves security, a full kind of family card module where you can create these sort of interesting expense programs for your child, you know, give them a pocket money card that switches off at 9 p.m. every night that can be used at the Venetian casino. So you have the ability to really control family expenses and things like that, card control. So there's a series of unique digital experiences that's kind of natively available as a part of the platform. So that's, that's kind of the second pillar. So hyper-personalization, digital experiences. The platform was meant to be fully self-service, which, which is what you expect from software these days, right? You know, we work with any of the legacy platforms today. Um, as a bank, we found even you know now, like we think of banks as kind of old age institutions, but a lot of the people in there, uh, it's not that they lack imagination. The product folks, the business folks, they really want to provide some interesting solutions to their customers, but this is a typical cycle. They'll come up with a new idea, the product team, the business team, et cetera. Let's go to the, it's going to go to the IT team. <clears throat> they're going to try and figure out how to build this. It's not available in the stack. Then they'll go to their vendor because they're dependent on their vendor. The vendor is going to take about a month, two months, three months to investigate, come back and say, this is going to need a development project. That development project will last anywhere from six months to 18 months, have a bill associated with it. By the time you've got that functionality in a half-baked approach, you know, you're already like two years you know, late from the time you originally conceptualized the idea. Unbelievable, so, unbelievable. And, and this, this happens over and over again. So Zeta Stack you know, was built ground up. APIs, events, they're not an afterthought. They were baked in the system to enable the platform to be extensible, uh, to allow financial institutions to be fully self-service. They come up with an idea or an innovation they want to implement 
that they can do it themselves without being reliant on us by extending our platform in meaningful ways um, and, and you know, innovate substantially improve and increase the pace of innovation. So I, I guess, you know, I could talk, as I said, I, I could keep talking for hours, but I guess those would be three buckets that I would uh, talk about, you know, uh, fully self-service, hyper-personalization, unique digital experiences, but also embeddable banking ready um, by default. Uh, so we've got this unique construct in our platform where banks can actually create under their, um, under them, they can create these, uh, what we call virtual bank operators. And so as a bank, you can create unlimited number of VBOs, and you can then basically, they're like mini charters that you can provide to fintech partners, co-brand partners, private label partners, who can then leverage them to um, embed your products and services and distribute them through their apps and experiences. So, so yeah, those are some of the highlights on how we kind of differentiate from some of the more legacy platforms. That is absolutely outstanding. I love it, I love it. And I would be curious, I know this is getting under the hood a little bit, but it sounds like to me you have identified a slew of pain points and you have addressed them and you have unified them. I wonder when you sat down to start Zeta, what was the process in terms of just trying to find the pain points and then make this sort of unified field of credit card processing, next-gen credit cards? Um, sure, so I mean, I think this has been, you know, Zeta's my fourth company and, and uh, um, by now, I have, I have this kind of template, if you will, um, whenever I'm starting a new B2B SaaS business, hopefully not for a while now. Um, Zeta keeps me uh, preoccupied. Um, but um, uh, you know, every, every product or company, the way I see it, kind of goes through what, we, what I call a, um, planning, discovery, scaling, and study stage. So kind of four stages um, for any business. Um, the planning stage, the deliverable, the outcome is, do I want to actually get into this business? And, and I have a kind of mini business plan template that, that we created at that point, which is, you know, who's the persona? Um, what is the problem that we're trying to solve for? Um, um, how is our product going to substantially improve in terms of that pain point? Like, how are we going to be 10x better than existing solutions, even if there are existing solutions? So it's, um, you know, persona, problem, product, go-to-market strategy, what is the revenue strategy, and what's the moat? So six elements, basically. Wow. And so the idea is to kind of go out there and do, you know, primary, secondary research. We actually, me and my co-founder, we conceptualized Zeta in 2014. We spent almost a year, um, you know, neither of us have any background in, in banking and financial services, so starting from first principles. And, and then there's a, you know, pattern. You kind of go through the uh, known knowns, and then you kind of, you know, try and learn about the known unknowns and partly try and discover as many of the unknown unknowns and learn about them as possible until eventually you see light at the end of the tunnel, right? It's so like a bell curve. Um, to start with, you're discovering just, there's so much I don't know. <laughs> and then over, over a period of time, you're like, okay, now I have some fundamental clarity on the variables. How you know, so we went with like things like you know, profit and loss statements, understanding how banks work, understanding how our competitors work, looking at the technology, looking at the products, talking to consumers, talking to banks, like just a standard process um, to go through the planning phase. Um, and, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's how we kind of um, learned as much as we could about the industry, then started with our first product. Um, you know, that kind of moves us in the discovery phase where the goal is to get out an MVP, get the product market fit, you know, make sure there's people out there that want to use it, that want to pay for it, that are going to be retained consumers, customers in this case, you know, off the platform. And then after that kind of scaling it, um, um, digital customers, geographies, and so on and so forth. You know, what you're describing sounds incredibly complex to the point of I'm imagining if I'm in your shoes, right? It could be overwhelming, but it also sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's not, there's not, there's not, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's more, you can have more fun 
than, I guess, learning stuff and solving problems are probably the two most fun activities. I think biologically and evolutionarily slow, like because uh, uh, there was a point in time before you know Uber Eats and Shelter and whatever else that um, our, our life depended on discovering new things and solving problems. And so uh, nature in some sense, I guess, um, essentially um, created that whatever dopamine, oxytocin, um, serotonin kicks associated with those activities. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we had a, Great fun, you know, uh, a lot of fun doing it. Still continue to have a lot of fun just discovering new stuff every day. That is fantastic. I love it. That is really what we try to do with Bankadelic and what I try to do in my own creative life is to look for these opportunities to learn. One thing about being a podcaster, they say, well, Lou, you get to ask all the questions. And it's like, well, no, really, I get to learn. I get to take a lot of notes. And I got to tell you, I'm learning a lot so far so this is fantastic the speaking of learning component i'm thinking about is financial institutions maybe wanting to get into next gen credit cards but not really knowing how to do it not fully appreciating the challenges or if they know something about the challenges they're overwhelmed i mean what do you think some of the big challenges are that they face and what type of advice might you give to someone listening who's thinking, you know, I really love what Bavin's saying, but I don't know where to start. What would I do? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think um, um, we spent a lot, of th- lot of time thinking about this. So why is it that somehow this industry has lagged behind most others in, com- in terms of adoption of software, right? Vast majority of the other industries you'll see software has gone through probably three or four generations in the last four decades. Uh, whereas, you know, if you see the banking industry, for the most part, uh, there's been incremental changes, but really no generational shift, no paradigm shift, even though we've seen cloud, smartphones, and tons of other paradigm shifts elsewhere that should have influenced this. And I think there's, you know, firstly, banking is a conservative institution, right? It's, it's risk averse. You can't afford to take, you know, substantial risk, et cetera. Secondly, there hasn't been any good alternative. If you think about it, it does require a considerable amount of investment to build a full uh, modern next-gen platform from scratch. And there haven't been, it's not like there's, 20 options out there, you know, um, uh, and so there have been, haven't been many feasible options. So it's not for the lack of uh, desire. Most financial institutions will say that, look, you know, we would have loved to make this decision or some form of decision where we modernize our platforms, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, but there wasn't any uh, alternative at that point. And, and even now, there's the alternatives are relatively new. We're, you know, we're, you know, we were a seven-year-old company, but in terms of awareness, we're still you know, relatively new. So I think that was the first hurdle to cross. Now, you know, post-awareness, we really come to the, the meat of the problem, which is most of these systems, um, you know, credit card processing, debit card processing, um, it's not just that I can go in and change my credit card processing platform, right? They're in turn integrated into 20 other systems, my call center, my IVR, my collection systems, my uh, uh, transaction fraud, loan origination systems, uh, data analytics and data lake, um, customer engagement, customer notifications, all these sort of surround systems, you know, um, ranging anywhere from seven to 15 to 20 different systems that you've integrated. So it already looks like an overwhelming amount of, as you said rightly, uh, things to do. Um, uh, and so I think that's kind of the other hurdle across. And I think we're already at this inflection point in the industry. Many of these things are causing an inertia, but we're already at an inflection point in the industry where I think there was a point in time when, when the choice was perhaps a luxury. Now I think in the next five to 10 years, banks that don't uh, move out of legacy platforms to a more modern stack will actually 
be left behind. We'll actually face issues. We'll actually see consumer attrition, uh, substantially higher opex. We're already seeing the markets, you know, uh, not just now, but you know, from an interest rate standpoint, from a competition standpoint, from potential income standpoint, th things are not that great for banks as they were, you know, some time ago. Yeah. And so they definitely have to optimize. So, so, so banks realize now that it's, you know almost going to become an existential crisis at some point if you're still continue using older technology. Now, we do make some of these hurdles easier. So um, by default, Zeta comes as an omni-stack where there's about four or five surround systems that we already pre-bundle and provide. Those are built by us, so you kind of reduce the burden and effort in those areas. Plus, with most financial institutions, we kind of tend to deploy in a, in fact, all financial institutions, we tend to deploy in kind of a greenfield approach where um, you'll use Zeta, um, we launch it up, spin it up as a parallel stack. It's all in the cloud, so it doesn't take a lot of time. And then you start using it for a new product. Um, so you're launching a new credit card or a new version of you know, existing credit card product or whatever. And then you use it that way for six months and then start migrating the older customers over to the new stack batch by batch. It could be like a million at a time or two million at a time. Um, Taking between um, 18 to 36 months to finish you know, everything from start to scratch to get completely off of the the, um, the older systems. And so, so we do, um, we do provide, um, um, so sort of greenfield approach, which is, um, lesser risk, uh, in comparison. It still means that you have to go through, uh, uh an elaborate integration effort and the, the initial first time deployment will still take a reasonable amount of IT investment, but it's, you know, it's no different from, I don't know, moving houses, right? In some sense, like you, you want to shift to a newer neighborhood, um, you know, get a bigger part, uh, apartment, you're going to have to pack up your stuff and move it somewhere else and, and reopen it up and re, you know, unpack it. And like, there is effort involved in any of these changes. And, uh, and, and it's important that, that, uh, that it happens basically. So that's, that's the way I see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is true. And so many things in life, change is painful. It is much more comfortable to be static and stand in one place and to take this sort of stuff on some banks are like, well, you know, we've had this legacy core for 25 years now. I don't see. <laughs> yeah, know, if like, it, yeah, if yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. Well, it's one thing to say that if they if they believe that, right? And it's another thing to say, well, the whole system that you know, all around you is breaking, and it's change or die. It really is. So I'll tell you one thing. Um, I, you know, I would be you'd be hard pressed to find uh, an IT team in a bank. I will tell you, oh wow, like I love this mainframe stuff. Like, you know, oh, green screens, like I'll use them every day. This is an amazing, you'll be hard pressed to find somebody who tell you they love the platform, which means they clearly want the change, right? Like, I mean, to me, any business opportunity that I have, um, um, that I have played in the last, you know, two and a half decades, it's like the moment you find an industry where universally all the consumers are like, I don't like what I'm using, but I'm forced to use it. Well, that's an opportunity. And that's really the way, I, you know, we think about when we, uh, when we launch Zeta. Um, uh, and I also think that a lot of this inertia is going to dissipate very, very rapidly. Like we've got a bunch of customers that are, um, that hopefully in the next six to 12 months going fully live, uh, in North America, we've already got live customers elsewhere. Um, the thing, the way I see it is, is a couple of big banks make that move and then everybody else is going to be like, actually, you know, wait a minute, I can do, if they can do it, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a matter of time. Like, you know, th that shift will happen pretty rapidly. Yeah, absolutely. Once it starts. And as we wrap up, there's something that has struck me about this interview from the word go. Your drive, your intensity, your focus, 
your passion. Now, a lot of people in your position might have said, well, you know, I've sold a couple companies. It's time for me to go off to a beach and drink umbrella drinks. But you're doing this. And I would love to know why you're doing this particular thing at this particular time. It's got to be really important to you. Um, so, I, I mean, I, as I said, Zeta is my fourth company. I still own the, the, the other two that I started just before Zeta, but I have a um, bunch of senior leadership teams that kind of run the show there. Uh, I, I, I've always, from a very, very early age, I mean, I, I'm a, I've always been excited about entrepreneurship, but I've always believed fundamentally that, um, that each of us has a moral obligation to, um, um, you know, and, and a duty to basically um, deliver to our um, fullest potential. And I still think that I, I have a long way to go there, so I believe I still have um, a sizable impact that I can make. Um, and, and to me, payments has, has always been a fascinating industry and space, I think for a multitude of reasons. One, as I said, it lags behind in technology. I'm a techie at heart, and I, and I, I believe I can, I can uh, uh, drive that change. It's also something that affects the entire globe, right? It's a, it's a global space. It's massive in terms of opportunity and, and also massive in terms of the impact that it can create uh, in terms of financial inclusion, in terms of financial empowerment, in terms of you know, financial wellness of consumers. And so when we started Zeta, our vision continues to be till date, basically, how do we enable individuals and corporates to maximize their financial wellness? And our perspective was the best way we think we can manifest that is to actually enable, instead of becoming a financial institution ourselves, which is sort of far from what we ever want to do, our perspective was, well, let's enable and empower existing financial institutions to really leverage a you know, modern technology platform to offer far better services at lower cost to their uh, customer base and, and thereby improving, enabling those consumers to improve their financial wellness. And so this is an opportunity to create a large impact and, and, and that's what drives me. Making a difference, I love it, it's beautiful. Bob, and I wanna thank you so much for making the time to be on Bankadelic with the Money Pot crew and I hope we stay in touch, I really look forward to what you're gonna be doing in the next six months to a year and seeing you rock the finance and payments and credit card world. My pleasure, thank you for having me here. Bhavan Tarakia is the founder of Zeta. You can look for him on LinkedIn. Special thanks to everyone at the Money Pot Studio and wanna thank Ryan for the fantastic job he did engineering today. And please, as you go about your day, in Money 2020, be sure to tune into the Money Pop podcast. It's a really important part of what's going on here. And you're hearing discussions right now that you may not hear in the rest of the industry for six months or more. So tune in. Lou Carlozo from Bankadelic signing off. Thanks again for tuning in to Bankadelic live from Money 2020 in Las Vegas. We hope you are enjoying this series of special episodes and encourage you to go over to SoundCloud to check out the entire Bankadelic archive. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. On-site production in Las Vegas provided by yours truly and Scott Mills. Special thanks also to Banker Hire and Lemonade LXP as well as our good friends Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery of Dave and Darm Demystify. I'm Lou Carlozo, and as my good friend and associate Johnny DeBig would say, what happens at Money 2020 in Vegas stays at Money 2020 in Vegas. Capiche? Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.